モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Everyone, this is Shidoshi, and this is as well another episode. As you hear my drink rattling, I'm sorry. Yes, it's time again to put up with that because this is, of course, Miranda's Sweet Shop, my solo podcast. Ah, delicious. Um, oh my god, I cannot believe that it has actually been since last June. That I did one of these. I have absolutely no right to bitch about the warning and huge podcast schedule um, when I can't even get my own rear in gear, as uh, my grandpappy once said. Uh, he did not actually say that. I'm sorry. Um, but yes, I'm back here, and I had every intention to get this done sooner. Um, the problem has been is that kind of my feeling is that if I have time to do a podcast, I try to have it be a podcast with actual other people. And then when it comes time um, to try to do my own, I don't have a lot of... This is I'm just saying time and rambling and stuff. What I'm saying is, is when I've had time to do podcasts, I've tried to make sure there were other podcasts so that you got actual enjoyment from what you were listening to, which meant that I did not have as much time to do a solo podcast and I know you would say that being it's just me, I'm only relying on one person to be here for the show. I know. But um, things have been kind of crazy. And things are going to be especially crazy now. Uh, if, if you follow me at all, you will find out what I'm referring to uh, probably very shortly. It is um, it's not a bad thing. Hopefully, we will find out. Uh, but it is a very crazy, crazy thing. Uh, hopefully, that will not mean that um, I don't have time to do these kind of things again. 
and that, you know, I still have time for things like Warning a Huge Podcast and the Niches Podcast ever and Smart Video Game Fan and uh, all the other guest spots that I do, including the recent um, cameo I did on the wonderful Double Plus Good Games podcast, uh, Close Friends of Mine. I always enjoy being on there. So, yes. So, crazy, crazy things are going on right now. Um, but how are you? How are you? I know. I can't even hear you. I, I say that, and you cannot respond. You can, you know, you can respond to your iPod or your radio if you are somehow listening to this on your radio. Uh, and I appreciate your response, but I cannot actually hear it and respond back to you in turn. Uh, so, email. So, um, I just want to say that I was going to go back and answer some of the really, really old email I had, but unfortunately, that email is stuck on a computer that I don't have direct access to right now, uh, because unfortunately, the way my, um, hosting company is set up, I think all my email addresses defaulted to being pop instead of IMAP, and, I'm switching some of them back over to being IMAP like they should be, but I don't think that was. So all that mail still exists. I still have it. It's not gone. Um, But I don't have it in front of me where I can actually respond to it. Uh, If you do want to send me email for the show, in case I happen to do another episode in 2013, um, which I'll try to do, indeed. I will try to be better on the schedule. But... Uh, I was going to tell you the email address, and I realized I don't even know it offhand. All right. It is Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A, at morningproject.com. You can send me emails there if you want emails specifically for the show, other shows, other email addresses. And uh, if you have anything to come to me, you can actually send it to shidoshi at gomorning.com. Um, either way, you know, either place. That's fine. It'll it'll get to me. The Shidoshi one will probably get to me sooner. But if you have anything specifically for this show, I know it's ramble time. I know. You're going to put up with it. I have not done a solo podcast for a while. It's going to be rambly McRambros in here. Um, that email should go there. And offhand, I do know I had one email from some fine fellow who asked a question about me. And they were asking if uh, a certain thing about me was correct or not. And the answer to that question is yes, it is correct. So for everybody who has no idea what I'm talking about, you will now have to just live in this world of not knowing and wondering what the answer, uh, what the question is that that answer went to. Um, But... You know, I did read all those emails. I read every single email I get, even if I don't have time to respond. I love responding to emails, but the problem is I'm looking at my email address, my email address, my email inbox um, right now, and I have 3,251 unread emails because uh, for work I get a lot of PR emails and things like that. And then I, I keep getting all these emails from like, you know, Living Social and uh, KGB and Amazon local or whatever it is. And it's like, it's one of those things where you kind of want to be on those email lists just in case you ever find something that you want, but then you forget about it and you don't check it. And then you go back and you're like, oh my God, I have 300 emails sitting here. Um, 
And I've not looked at them, and I'm just going to delete them all at once. And I don't know why I'm still on this, but you are. Like this one, Amazon.com. Check out our retro game store. I did not, I did not even know that existed. Or maybe I did, but. Toenail Fungus Treatment. See, what other podcast are you going to listen to where somebody reads their titles of the email they've received according, that are in relation to deals? Like 50-minute pomegranate facial. Cupcakes. Or cake. Um, oh, Docker! See, a Docker's spring sale starting at twenty nine ninety nine. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to spend an hour just reading off deals to you. That way, uh, you can find things if you want. A pair of uh, trendy jeggings for twelve dollars. See, so yes, I do read your emails if you send them, and I appreciate them. Um, but I'm not going to respond to any of the ones recently. Wait, is this new? This can't be new. When is this from? Uh. Wow, okay, see? I'm glad. It's not as exciting as I thought it was, but it's um, press release containing a latest announcement that Aniplex of America is scheduled to release the concert Nikunopolis in Los Angeles in a limited edition Blu-ray and CD combo set. See, there you go. I was there. It was fun. And we're going to be talking about Vocaloids on the show today. Uh, But I have to decide which topic to start off with. Oh, I really should have thought of this before the show. Like, how are we going to start? You know what? We're going to start with... Well, so one of the questions I got asked I'm going to talk about is Vocaloids. But another thing I got asked about was J-pop. Now, wait. Before you turn this off, not civic songs, not recommendations, you know, not my favorite idol or things like that, but scandals. Scandals in J-pop. So you may or may not have heard this. Uh, this is a story kind of recently. It was uh, last month. So there's this group in Japan called AKB48. The AKB stands for, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Akihabara, which is, of course, the big electronics district in Tokyo. And the 48... Ended up referring to the fact that there were 48 members of the group. There was an A group, a K group, and a B group. Uh, Japan, for some reason, they love they love their their groups of idols. You know, three or four. That's just child, child's play. That's that. That's you know. That's uh, no. Can't have that. We have to have like these super groups. And so, of course, for there, there have been, I mean, of course, many, many supergroups, but when I kind of was getting into J-pop, um, like, seriously, of course, the biggest group at the time was Morning Musume, which you may or may not have heard of. And their member count was always this kind of joke because it would seemingly every other day fluctuate, and it wasn't every other day, but it was that, like, every year there was a different amount of members because you had new members coming in, you had older members graduating, you know, somebody would leave for something or whatever. But I think the the group fluctuated between, I want to say like, oh, when it started, was it five? Five or six, maybe? Somewhere, maybe in that, that range. But typically it was on the low end, it was seven to eight members. High, I would say maybe 12 to 13. Might be a little bit too high, but somewhere around there. It, you know, and... It's kind of silly because you'd have this group on stage and you would have, 
you know, let's say 11 members all dancing around and they wouldn't do like a harmony kind of thing. So you'd have like one member singing one line of the song and then another member singing another line of the song. It was, it was ridiculous. But um, AKB48 comes along and they're like, you know what? We are so going to blow this out of the water. You know, uh, other groups before us, yeah, maybe maybe seven, maybe ten, maybe twelve members. No, no, we're gonna have forty-eight freaking members, and then we're not just gonna have forty-eight members. We're gonna have different groups for different areas of Japan because it starts in Tokyo, starts Akihabara. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my goodness. Um, with AKB48, but then they branch out because one group of 48 girls produced by the same producer and that's in production company, that's, that's not enough. So next comes SKE48, which is Sakae Nagoya. And after that, we have SDN48, which is Saturday Night 48. I don't totally understand that one. We then have NMB 48, which is, of course, the Electronics District. Okay, not Electronics District specifically, but it's, it's Namba from Osaka, my hometown. Uh, and Namba is... It includes Denen Town, which... Um, you have Nihonbashi, which is the electronics district in Tokyo, which Akihabara is a part of. In Osaka, you have Nipponbashi, which is their electronics district, also called Denden Town. And then uh, Namba has other things. It's kind of like the fun cultural, street cultural area and stuff. Okay. Uh, and then you have HKT48, which is Hakata48. Um, well, and then you have, oh my God, you have like outside of Japan... You have, in 2011, we get the sister group JKT48 for Jakarta, Indonesia. And then TP, TPE48 for Taipei, Taiwan. SNH48, Shanghai. Uh, and they have, I, I, I had never known this. I was just, I'm reading Wikipedia to keep track of like who came in what order. And it says they have, um, apart from sister groups, AKB48 also has an official rival named Nogizaka46. I, I, I just, I love that. I love that. You know, I love how a pop group in Japan can have a rival group. You know, I just want to imagine them having like, you know, uh, West Head Story style street fights and everything. And then now, of course, uh, you know, AKB48, eh, you know, it's been around for a couple of years now. So it's not like the coolness. The coolness is. Uh, Momoiro Clover Z. Is that, is that what it is? Momoiro Clover. Yes, Clover Z. Momokuro Z. Uh, and I would so love to love this group because the concept is that you have five girls, of course, idol group, five, five members. Um, and they are Sentai. They are the, if you're not too familiar, what they are what you would call like Power Rangers. 
So they have this group of five idols who then transforms into like the Power Rangers characters. Um, I mean that that is like the best idea ever. You know it, that that is the living embodiment of anime. They always have, oh, I'm the pop singer, but then I go fight crime. You know, or aliens, or monsters, pentacles, whatever. Um, yeah, but the thing is, is is I know what AKB48 is. I I know, you know, the level of quality of that music. I I completely understand that. I accept it. I acknowledge it. I've never said otherwise. Momokuro is, at least from what I've heard, like so far below AKB48. It's not even funny. I, I mean, there's always this thing about Japanese pop groups, how they're always picked for their looks and not their talent. And if you listen to them, you can tell that. Um, this is absolutely positively a shining example of that fact because they, their singing is atrocious. So I love the idea, but I don't like them. Anyway, um, so last month, to get back to the story I was telling like eight hours ago, we had this AKB48 member uh, Sh- Shirahama, no, no, that's not it. See, uh, Mine Gishi, Mine, I hate pronouncing Japanese names. Like, conversations with Japanese, I'm, I'm fine with. I can speak, you know, I can do fine pronunciation wise there, but names like completely trip me up because they're not words I usually use on a regular basis. So I have to like stop and think about them. Mine Gishi, and this name, oh my god, this name, Mine Gishi, Minagishi, Minami. Okay. Um, and look, when I was big into Morning Musume, I knew every member's name. I knew their nicknames too. Um, you, 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 don't, you don't know AKB48. If you know, if you can name off every single girl in AKB48, you have serious problems in life. Like, like beyond beyond your typical you know delving into fandom you have like the people who are hardcore fans will tell you that you are have gone too far because you just don't you don't know you don't know every girl okay there's 48 of them and that's just in one group you don't know every person you typically you have your you know one two maybe three or four favorites and you know their names by heart and you know all about them you don't know every single girl in the group so so minami-chan here uh, so what happens is she goes and okay, that was the name. Uh, there's this member of uh, boy band generation, and I'm not totally familiar with them, so I think they're boy band. I'm guessing. She goes, Minami Chan goes, and spends the night at this boy's house. Okay, spends the night. No, no sex tape. No police called over. No items stuck in improper orifices that have to be removed by doctors. You know, nothing is comes out from the last I saw the story that says what happened. She basically spent the night at this guy's house. And I, I was thinking the story was even the fact that like there were other people there as well. That could be wrong, but no matter what, 
she, as a female idol, as a member of AKB48, goes and spends this night at this man's house, and there is this uproar about it. And by the way, she's 20. So it's, it's not like she's like 14 or anything. She's 20. Um, <clears throat> so... On the AKB48 official blog, it was announced a few days later that she'd be getting, or that that a few days later she'd be getting a demotion. And she goes on Twitter, not Twitter, on YouTube, and there is this tearful video from her where she has chopped all her hair off. You know, kind of, kind of the modern day falling on your sword, you know, saying how sorry she is and, uh, you know, that how she betrayed the fans and all this kind of stuff. And the Japanese reaction was kind of interesting because, you know, there were... Well, so I guess before we leave that, so, you know, the, the idea was the fact that she had betrayed her fans by having improper contact. And again, this improper contact being staying at someone's house, like, she, they could have been in separate rooms. You don't know that. But the improper contact is that she was near enough to a boy overnight that it would be, you know, shameful in the eyes of the AKB48 fans so she goes on and does this kind of searching for atonement thing. Um, and so the reaction from, from people in Japan at first, you know, some of them were kind of like, oh, this is shocking. Uh, uh, you know, I'm looking through some of the comments right from here, from uh knee channel and you know look how ugly she is uh so this is the punishment for sex uh just more marketing by controversy by kb48 um you think they let them do these in the world of show business she's ugly this is an idol uh this reminds me of a scene from one of those abuse avs avs of course being adult videos uh, nice and then to show the world how abnormal Japanese culture is by exposing this on YouTube so they can see what a crass people we are and how little we care for human rights. Which, of course, that part would end up becoming kind of a big deal because the story would get picked up by news outlets from around the world. And, you know, then it was like it went from the focus on this girl to, oh, my God, now the world's going to think Japan's screwed up, which we already do, but, you know. Um... But there were people defending her, you know. There, there were some saying that this was, was was too far and she shouldn't have done this, and asking if somebody had made her uh, made her do this. But one of the other things that came out was that people were saying this is this is just the punishment she should get because she's an idol, and if you choose to be an idol, then you have to understand that you don't get to have a personal life in that way. You know, kind of... Um, I'm trying to think of a good way to... to uh, a good analogy. You know, like like if you were to say... 
you know, if you work as a stripper, then you can't complain if guys masturbate to you. I don't know. That's like the worst analogy. I'm sorry. But I'm like, I was going to say like, look at you, you know, like leave at you, but that's obviously, that's going to come with the job. But it's something kind of like being like blaming the person. Like, well, that's, that's the job that you do. You know, you're an idol. And it's, it's, a, it's a weird line because uh, Japan has built up this industry of, of, of idols. Idols, in this case, being like the musical idols, but of course there are idols in other ways. Um, but these musical idols where it, you know, like I said before, that it's about looks, not about talent. And I actually think I actually think some of AKB48 songs are actually good, um, probably even better than some of Morning Musume songs, just because of the way they produce them and the you know and the harmonies and stuff. But I mean, there's there's still not like excellent singers. They just get enough girls to sing at the same time that you kind of like it becomes just one big, big mess of voices, and you can't really tell who sucks ass. Um. But, you know, so it, it, is, it is this case of these groups being together and existing for the benefit of the fandom and the fan base and creating these people who buy into this idolized group of girls. And the thing is, is you know, you can say we have that here. I mean, you go back and the Monkees were a group created simply for marketing and, you know, uh, TV shows and, and things like that. Uh, at the time, for cute guys, you know, for girls to adore. And then you have, you know, uh, Backstreet Boys and Sync. Was it One Direction? Is that that's what, one of the groups now? You know, so we have this produced pop music that, that you know, we had that same thing. But the thing about Japan is, is that... They don't pick people with talent. They pick them simply on looks. You know, at, at least when you have the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, um, even if you don't like their music, you can still admit, I think, that they can sing. And Japanese idols typically can't sing. That's the, that's the thing. So a lot of the reason for existence in these groups is just for show. But. But. the The problem that I have is that they are still a musical group and you're coming at them from a direction of the music. You know, you're, you're going to their concerts. Yes. To see them, but also to listen to their music. You're buying CDs to support them, but also to listen to their music. You know, they are offering a product that is not just, Hey, look at us being cute. You know, you have like the more visual idols and the uh, gravure idols and you know the girls putting out photo books of them in bikinis and skimpy clothing and that whole thing is a sexualized look at me you know look how sexy i am fantasize about me kind of thing but a group like AKB48 is putting out some sort of entertainment product in the process and it gets really creepy 
the level of of fandom around groups like this. Um, you know, not not that I and I I will make admittance here. You know, um, I have never been a thirteen year old girl. Uh, at least not yet. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, you know, I was going to make the kind of thing about like, oh, you have 13 year old girls who, you know, are obsessed with new kids in the block or the backstreet boys, you know, and I can't talk about them from their perspective because I've never been in that situation. But, you know, I kind of imagine that it's, it's like, oh my God, you know, Donnie, I, that was just the first thing that came up, Donnie from New Kids in the Block, I believe, you know, uh, or, or Justin from, from, uh, Justin was NSYNC, right? Uh, well, let's pick Justin, because I like Justin better. Uh, Justin from NSYNC, oh, he's so cute, oh my god, I, I grew up, I want to marry Justin and everything. Um, I kind of feel like in the West, then if all of a sudden Justin says, hey, I'm dating Britney Spears, you know, 13-year-old girl me is like, oh my god, I'm so heartbroken because, my beloved Justin has a, has a girlfriend now, but on the other hand, I'm I'm happy for him because I like Justin. You know, he's he's the he's the boy that I like, and I want him to be happy at the end of the day. So I'm heartbroken because I'm never going to marry him, but I, I really knew that anyway. You know, but I'm happy because now he's going to be happy. The problem is that's not how they think in Japan, at least the hardcore fans. And I'm not saying that we don't have hardcore fans in the West. I'm just saying that I I think there is something about the fan the way the fandom is set up and and fueled that creates these fans in Japan that see these idols as their property. You know, the the girls in AKB48 they belong to me because I am buying their CDs. I am going to their events. I am buying their photos. You know, I'm, I'm buying their PSP games, you know, um, whatever it is. They, and, you know, I've, I've seen this. I've, I've seen this. There, there is legitimate feeling from some of the fan base that those girls belong to them. Of course, <laughs> I'll get that in a second. But so if, if the girls do anything that makes that fan think that she is not his, that is an evil thing she's done. What I was just going to say was, of course, it's funny because if I'm this male fan and I, I think Minami-chan is mine, and if some other male fan thinks Minami-chan is his, well, then we've already got conflict, right? Because obviously, Minami-chan's marrying me, not him. You know, so he shouldn't even be thinking about her because she's mine. Like they're like it's 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 like this weird level of fantasy that you know you really can get Minami Chan. You know, you're going to meet her somewhere at one of these handshaking events, and that she's actually going to like you. It's it's like this weird. It's like that obsession, you know. And I, again, I don't want anybody to think I'm not saying we don't have it in the West because we do have it in the West. I just from my experience and the things I've seen. There really is something creepy that goes on in, in in Japanese pop that produces these fans who think this way. But it's not just pop. Um, 
I remember a while back, um, so K-On! is this manga anime series about this uh, group of high schoolers who uh, create a music club and then they go to college. And that was just one of the variety of examples where like, some of the male fan base gets offended if even the idea of one of the characters getting a boyfriend comes up in the, in, in the story. Like, it's, it's just, it's weird, and it's bizarre, and it's selfish, and it's creepy. Especially in that regard. You know, she, she's a drawing. I mean, I'm not saying uh, anything against people who have fantasies about these kind of characters. Look, you know, people people have attractions to whatever. They have attractions to other people. They have attractions to game characters, anime characters, manga characters, characters from movies, characters from literature, whatever. I am fine with all of that. I'm not putting you down for, for whatever. But to get to a point where you're saying that this character in a comic cannot have a boyfriend because then that would mean that she is tainted and you know, not pure for me is so far behind rational that I don't know how you get back from that. And that's part of what happened here. Um, this girl felt, Minami-chan, uh, felt like, you know, she had offended her fans by possibly having some sort of life outside of them. When it is impossible for any of her fans probably to ever be in a position to have any kind of relationship but they still demand that fantasy and the comments from some people were the fact that if you are an idol that is your job to be a fantasy for people and if you are in that job then you are not allowed to have your own social life and if you do you have to then quit that job of being an idol you know, and again, it's 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 like I feel like in the West we're we're more along the lines of saying, um, you know, if there is a guy or 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 gal that you are really enamored with, you can still have have all your fantasies about them, but you like them enough that you want them to have their own life and be happy in their life. You know, if if if. If you're like super hot on uh, Kate Upton, right? Got for the guys out there who are listening, let's just say that you're really hot on Kate Upton. You know, do you care if she's got a guy? Like, does, does that really stop your your fantasies about her? No, it doesn't. You know, you don't care because you can you can separate fantasy from reality. And that, that's that, that's just that's what's going on here. Is like there's not that separation. It's it's it's. You know, if you want to be just a fan and say, look, Minami-chan, you, you are hot. I want to fap to you every single day. Um, but you know what? That's in my head, you know. And in my head, you're, you're still a virgin, so everything's cool. But in real life, if you want to go and be happy, you know, go and be happy. And, and it'll be great, you know. That doesn't, it's it's weird. It's really, really weird. Um, so the producer of AKB48, uh, a while later, while later peeing today, obviously, uh, from this Sankaku Complex story, which, by the way, I hate Sankaku Complex, but 
Yes, um, they have stuff. So, uh, Yasushi Akimoto, he's a general producer, AKB48. He has denied, supposedly, that the group has any kind of rules against um, outside relations. So he says on the radio show, in regards to uh, Minami-chan's situation, he says, uh, I don't want to talk about any more, it anymore, as it will cause misunderstandings. But then he goes on to talk about it. Uh, the rule about there being no romance allowed is used as material and talked about and stuff, but there is certainly no such rule. It's like a high school baseballer looking to play in the major leagues at the Koshien Stadium. He probably wouldn't have time to pursue romantic relations. But I'm saying if they really like someone, it can't be helped. Okay, first of all, that's BS. That's, there is no way I believe that. There is absolutely a rule in the group saying you cannot have relations outside of it. Until, until I am a member of AKB48 and I see the contract, I am not believing that for a second. Uh, he goes on to say, Think of what the fans who support them feel is acceptable when these scandals occur. Uh, okay. Think about what the fans who support them feel is acceptable when these scandals occur. Uh, there is no rule against it and no penalty is established. As well as warnings from a manager, after rumors begin to circulate, we have to consider their past activities, their character, and so on, uh, saying why some girls get canned and other girls are allowed to have fun and do stuff. Uh, the girls must choose between their own relationships and the ones they have with creepy pips fans. Uh, we try everything and we still get blamed for it all. They are free to make their own choices when it comes to romance, and they may choose romance even when their fans hate knowing they have a boyfriend. Again, I, I think that is complete BS. I think that there is no way they are encouraged or told that it is, it is all right for them to have relationships outside of the group. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> as if there is not enough reason at times to feel ashamed of being a hardcore J-pop fan, uh, or I guess in my case, a, nah, at this point, kind of casual J-pop fan, uh, you have this whole thing, you know, it's, just so ridiculous. I've hated this for so long because we went through with Morning Musume. So back in the Morning Musume days, there was a girl named Kago Ai. Ah, uh, Kago-chan. Uh, one of the twins as, at a certain point, her and uh, Tsuji, they weren't really twins, but they looked like the same girl when they were really younger. Um, one of, by far, the most popular members of Morning Musume uh, she was in Morning Musume, she was in subgroups, she, her and Kago, or same person, her and Tsuji, Nozomi Tsuji, uh, they were also in the separate group called uh, W by themselves. Of course, my beloved Mini Moni they were part of. So, huge, huge star in Morning Musume. 
Oh, but then. Oh, but then. On February 9th, 2006, it was confirmed that the magazine Friday, Japanese tabloid, would publish photos showing Kago smoking. The legal age for smoking in Japan is 20, and Kago had just turned 18 two days prior to the event. On February 10th, Hello Project, Hello Project being the umbrella group that handled Morning Moose Main, all the subgroups and everything, issued a press statement saying the singer had been suspended indefinitely. According to an interview in the March 9th, 2007 issue of Friday, the very same magazine responsible for suspension, Kaga revealed she had been smoked, ser- she had been served, ser- oh my god, Kaga revealed she had been serving tea, answering phones, and doing assorted secretarial work at the Upfront Works Agency since January 23rd, 2007, when her employees found it fit for her to return to Tokyo after she spent most of 2006 under house arrest at her family residence in Nara. Okay. Dramatic pause. So, February 9th, 2006. Photos come out of Kago smoking. Let me say again, smoking. Cigarettes. Not, not, not the uh, wacky tobacco, not the heroin. Do you smoke heroin? I don't know. Um, I'm so square. Um, <laughs> so, photos come out of her smoking cigarette. A cigarette. Not, not, not even like, like a, not even like two at once in her mouth or anything crazy like that, you know. Just a cigarette. Next day, she gets suspended indefinitely. Most of the rest of the year, she is in, quote-unquote, house arrest at her family's home. January 23rd comes along. She goes back to work for her employer, but now she... This girl who was one of the top stars in the company's top pop act is, at this point, little more than a secretary. Not even that, actually. She's, she's what Japan would call an office lady, kind of. Well, yeah, yeah, office lady. Uh, you know, serving tea, doing secretarial work, answering phones. Okay. Smoking. Then, oh my God, uh oh, this is bad. Then again, she smokes again. Because on March twenty sixth to two thousand seven, following a newly publicized scandal involving Kago dating a thirty seven year old man, as well as smoking again. <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> it was announced that the, by the director of the upfront agency that her contract had been cancelled we even got an English translation of the announcement and it reads to whom it may concern regarding our client Kago I 
and the article in the weekly magazine that went on sale on March 26th. The information has, in the article has been verified with Kago herself. To our regret. One year ago, when Kago was 17 and the smoking problem happened, we still considered her future in this company and as punishment. She was imposed to house arrest in her parents' home. Seeing how she had progressed over that year, it was decided to start from scratch and start preparing for a comeback by bringing her to Tokyo and having her do clerical and other office duties starting on January 23rd. Although this worked out well for two months, there was another incident, and the comeback plan was abandoned. After consulting with the family, as she is a minor, it has been confirmed, and she has been released from her contract. We're very sorry that it had to come to this and accept full responsibility. We feel a renewed sense of responsibility for the future, especially when it comes to minors. She was caught freaking smoking, okay? Smoking tobacco. Yes, that is not good for a minor. And you don't want somebody in position to influence younger people to influence them into doing bad things. But she was caught smoking. Oh, my God. Like, not saying, not saying we should be letting him off for what he has done, okay? But in our country... We live in a situation where Chris Brown can beat up his girlfriend and then still be on TV. Can you can you imagine? Like, I, I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. Young Starlets. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Rebecca Black. Okay, that's that's like that's like that. That is my current example of a young star. In music is Rebecca Black. Oh, God. Who's... I don't know. Okay. You know, you know we're going to go to Rebecca Black. Let's, let's just because... Come on. Friday? Come on. Really? Come on. Seriously. You, you listen to it. You know you did. Um, let's say Rebecca Black's this huge star. And there's a photo of her smoking, right? <laughs> can, can you... I mean, we would laugh at this if... Anybody suggested how, you know, a year of house arrest because you were caught smoking? Like, I love Japan, and I love how quaint Japan can still be at times. And I love how, you know, they still have this kind of innocence that we don't have anymore in the West. But this is so ridiculous. And this is a situation, like, this is what you have to understand. I mean, think about the Japanese pop idol industry. You know, this is what they live in. Kago Ai, one of the biggest faces in Morning Musume, completely lost her job because she was smoking at the age of, uh, what was it, 17? Right? And legal age is 20? 
it's 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 ridiculous. It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, you know, I can appreciate that they want <laughs> to have idols who show a respectable side, you know, and and all of that. But you have to understand that human beings are human beings, you know, and we all make mistakes. And especially when you are in a situation where you are in this gigantic pop group and so much pressure is put on you and, you know, you know that, you know, you aren't really a musician. You're a product that has been created by a company to present to consumers Like that's got to be a really, really stressful life to live, um, and you know, and I'm not saying like, oh, her, poor her, you know, because yeah, she could have always quit and gone down other things. I I know that, but you know, you have to just appreciate like how tough of a situation that is, and and that you're gonna do crazy things like maybe smoke a cigarette or have a boyfriend. Um, so so yeah, it's it's. The AKB48 thing is is completely ridiculous. I I there is there is no way to justify it, and I'm uh, I'm glad that the West caught on the story and kind of shamed Japan in that way. But I don't think it's going to change anything, and nothing's going to change because I only see uh, this the hardcore fans getting worse, not better. You know. Um, I don't know. In, you know, in Japan, they're gonna they 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 love their idols. They love their groups like this. You know, there's 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 guy groups that are the exact same way. I mean, you have SMAP. You know, and look, if you're a SMAP fan, more power to you. But you know, you be honest with yourself. They can't sing either. Okay, they're not great. They were cute faces. They just happened to stick around. Like, I feel like guy groups can stick around longer than than, than girl groups do because you had, you know, uh, SMAP and you had V6 and, uh, you know, uh, some of the Johnny's groups um, kind of transitioned to TV or whatever. And you, you have, like, some of the idols that transition. Like, um, one of my personal favorite members of Morning Musume, uh, Yaguchi, uh, you know, she's kind of a, more of a TV personality now, so she transitioned. But you don't really see them transitioning as groups as much as you you see a group like SMAP or V6 or whatever kind of getting their own TV shows and, and whatever. Now Rashi's doing the same kind of thing. Um, so, talking about pop idols. Let's see, where, where are we at time-wise? Uh, 51 minutes, wow. <clears throat> I had a lot of things I was going to talk about today. Um, but let's just go briefly into Vocaloids. So if, if you don't know what a Vocaloid is, um, and again, I, I just want to get some information because I, you know, I know about this stuff, but I don't like all the exacts and details. Okay, so... The idea behind Vocaloid is, is, is this. It, it's, it's, it's basically a computer program 
and you have a something about to explain this. You have you have somebody go in and because the way Japanese phonetics work um, or syllables, uh, you know, is it's 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 very like compartmentalized, you have five vowels, a, e, u, e, o. And the pronunciation doesn't really change for those. Like for us, we, we have the letter a. It could be a, it could be a, maybe a. It's, you know, depending on whether what it's joined with and what words and, and whatever. Um, in Japanese... You have those vowels that you can really trust, you know? They're not going to, you know, steer you wrong. Ah, e, u, e, o. They're always going to be that. And then so, almost every other uh, basic character in the Japanese alphabet is in a combination of consonant vowel. So let's say you have K. So you have ka, ki, ku, ke, ko. You know, uh, N. Na, ni, nu, ne, no, right? So, like, for example, Japanese word for Japan is Nihon. So you have ni, ho, n. N is a kind of separate special character. Um, but, so, you know, so making words, is, it's very easy to have them syllable by syllable by syllable. Uh, so what they did for, for this Vocaloid stuff was they stayed tape take somebody in a recording studio and they have this person record um, vocalizing every single Japanese character. A-E-U-E-O-Ka-Ki-Ku-Ke-Ko so on, so on. And what you can then do is you can go back and using this computer program, you put that together. So you have this person who's their their data bank of of um voiced syllables or voiced characters whatever is in there and then you have them say ni ho n so that produces the the word nihon for japan you know and you've basically created this voice that that existed as a real person but for you is just a computer program so what happened was uh, says, okay, so the signal processing part of this was a joint project by uh, Ken Mochi Hideki at the, uh, the university in Spain. And it was not initially meant to be a full commercial project, but then Yamaha got involved and turned it into Vocaloid. And the idea of Yamaha being, you know, in, in dealing with music and instruments and stuff like that was that they said, okay, we're going to sell you this piece of software. And this piece of software is a singer, a virtual singer. So you pay for this software. You buy the software. And you're getting the singer in a box when you buy the software. And then what you do with the software pass, then knock yourself out. So 
you buy this Vocaloid software, you take it home, and you're like, oh, I, you know, I've got this song I've been writing, um, but I'm a singer, so I need somebody to sing the lyrics, so you, 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 you and I'm, I'm making this way easier, to make it sound way easier than it really is. Be like, ah, type this in the computer, hit the button, now the computer's singing the lyrics to my song. Awesome, you know? You can change the, the pitch and tone and, you know, um, whatever, speed and whatever. You can tell how much an expert I am in music here. I know, I know. Uh, so, you have the software that lets you reproduce a singer singing your song. And it goes to different revisions and, and all this kind of stuff. But where things really hit off is so Yamaha's yeah, releasing some of these packages and, and they're giving actual personalities some of them because it's Japan. And because it kind of makes sense, you know. It's kind of like the, the virtual singer. So. They're saying, okay, this this singer is this certain name. Oh, now we got a new package, and you know they're they're not calling them after the actual person who recorded the vocal parts. They're they're creating these you know virtual singers. Okay, now this package is a certain person. So whatever it goes on, and that's fine. And this is all starting when was it? Uh, well, it says the project was starting in two thousand. But I'm trying to figure out when uh, the initial release of the Vocaloid software from Yamaha was January 2004. Okay. So doing all this, and, and they're releasing these packages, and people are buying it, and whatever. Then, middle 2007, comes Hatsune Miku. And Hatsune Miku takes Yamaha's second iteration of the Vocaloid software system, Vocaloid 2, and is it's used by this group called Krypton, Krypton Future Media. And they they take it, they take they take this 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 setup that Yamaha's built. They get um actress Saki Fujita to come in, record her voice. They create this character called Hatsune Miku. And they, they release this package and like, hey, look, look at look at our cute little character. And if you buy this, then then you can make your own songs. This Hatsune Miku girl, it's gonna be so much fun, you know. And they they probably had like very low expectation for at that point. But then Miku explodes and it, it becomes this huge thing. And now you've got these whole families of of vocaloid characters like just from Krypton alone. So first you had Hatsune Miku. And I'm tr- trying to make sure I don't, I don't want to skip any from Krypton because, I mean, I'm 99% sure I know which ones they are. Uh, duke, 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 Duke. Yeah, so before Miku, they had Mako and Kaido which were based on the original Vocaloid packages. Um, and 
fans of them might say that I'm, you know, doing disservice by saying that it was all Hatsune Miku's doing, which it wasn't, because there was there was fandom out there, but Miku really was where all this stuff exploded. You know, you know she. If you know a vocalite character, you know Miku. So Miku comes along, and then Kagamine, Rin, and Len, which are the twins. So Rin is the the girl, Len is the guy, and they're both actually voiced by the same person. Um, so they're 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 they are technically the Vocaloid O2s because Mego and Kaido don't don't have any numbers on them, but like Miku has a number like one on her, and then Rin and Len have number two on them. Um, and they are, if you've, if you've ever seen pictures, they are the, the, like the blondes and they look very similar. Um, and then after that comes my favorite, which is Megarine Luca, which is Vocaloid number three. And she was Krypton's first bilingual Vocaloid because she can sing in both English and Japanese. And she came out in 09. And it's really interesting, actually, because... Um, so Miku hit in, in, in mid-2007. Rin and Len hit in first in their first uh, version in 2007, the, the end of it. Uh, Luca hits in 2009, and there really haven't been any new characters added. Uh, there is supposedly a fourth Vocaloid coming at some point in the future. We do not know who... Um, supposedly male, but there are like they're redoing uh, new versions of Kaido, Meiko, and Miku. Um, so okay, so that's kind of a history and explanation of what this is. So you know, record a real person, make it software, sell it to people, beep 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 on your keyboard, you have a singer for your song. Okay, so the big question is, why in the f does this even exist, right? Like, you know... So, I think to... to explain my fascination with the Vocaloids, I have to go from two directions. The first of all is I am obsessed with robots and AI. Now, that I can't explain. I don't know exactly why, but there is something just totally fascinating to me about... Uh, virtual existences, you know. And for anybody who's into anime, of course, you might know the series Macross. And in Macross 2, or was it... No, Plus. Ha, 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 Plus, Plus, not 2. In Macross Plus, there was a character called Sharon Apple, and she was this, like, virtual idol, to get back to the idol conversation. Um, And, you know, there there have been other examples of, of, like, kind of virtual singers or, you know... Uh, and it's just, it's so fascinating to me. I don't, I don't know why, but it's, it's maybe part of it is just the fact that, you know, there, there's that part of you that wants there to be intelligence that we can interact with on a human level besides just humans, you know, that's why you have all these series of like alien contact and, you know, us being friends with aliens and the mass effect, you're having sex with aliens or whatever, you know, uh, we, we want, we want to have like that. We are not alone kind of sense. And with virtual existences, it takes a step further by knowing that we were the one to create those things. So I don't know. I just 
um, I've just always really had this fascination with, with robots and AI and things like that. So that's part of it. The other part, of course, is something much more practical and probably more interesting to me. Um, you know, for, for some of you out there who are younger, you might not have that much appreciation for, appreciation for this, but when I was a kid, you know, having a computer in your home was, was not a regular thing. Um, if you had a computer, you were, you were special uh, at a certain point. But then more people got them, but then they were just very, very basic things, you know, and they didn't do nearly what they do now. Um, but there was a certain point where uh, this revolution came along called desktop publishing. And the idea was, is previous to that point, publishing was this really crazy, expensive, time-consuming, uh, um, uh, labored process that you couldn't just do if you wanted to do it, you know. You had to have a lot of money and contacts and machines and equipment and all this kind of stuff to, to do, like, publishing or, or even, like, you know, if you want to make a flyer, right, you had to, you know, you, you cut things out and you tape or paste things onto a piece of paper and you write it with your hand and you smack a photo on there, you know, and then you copy it. That was what you did. Like, you didn't really create stuff the way we do now. But then you had, you know, software like Print Shop or you had the Macintosh come along and all of a sudden you, you, you could make a newsletter at home. And you could, you could buy a printer that would actually print it out. Um, you know, you could make a flyer at home. You know, this, again, at this point, this seems like so quaint to even think of this as being something magical and, and special. But there was a point when that just didn't exist. And so that ability coming along was a huge uh, deal. And for me, you know, growing up, I'd always been uh, in love with magazines. And all of a sudden, I could make my own. And you could make fanzines before then, but not the kind of things I wanted, you know. I wanted to make, because fanzine before then was, you had a typewriter, and you typed, clickety-clickety-click, typewriter, clickety-clickety-click, you know, cut it, cut it, paste it, typewriter, cut, cut, paste that somewhere else, paste this picture, copy this picture, and put it on here, and copy, you know, and and then, like, you have, like, this this thing that looks like somebody just made it at home, you know. Now I could sit down in a Macintosh. I could use PageMaker. I could design pages like people actually at magazines were doing. You know, I could put a photo here. I could put this image there. I could type the, the, the box and type the text in there and spell check it and then align it and everything. It was unbelievable what I was doing, you know, because that... People just couldn't do that if they wanted to before. And all of a sudden now I could make my own fanzines. And that was just so revolutionary for someone like me. Um, and that's how I got my whole start in this industry, in the game industry, was you know by making my own fanzines and putting them out there. And even now, like, look at this, this podcast, you know. I mean, it's there was a point not so long ago when it would be crazy to say that I could sit down in my home with a computer and a microphone, record a show, add intro music and everything, put it up on the internet, have it automatically distributed to people and have, you know, tens or hundreds or thousands of listeners listening to it. Like, that was 
something that didn't exist, but now it does because of technology. Technology has allowed one person with a computer and the right software and tools to do things that it used to take entire teams and thousands and thousands of dollars to do. So, let's take a drink because of how sore my throat is because I have not done a solo podcast in a long time. Mm. So, what to me is so fascinating is that the Vocaloid movement goes back to that for me. Um, I know, obviously, since time has begun, that a person could make their own music. And you have garage bands, not garage band software, garage bands. Uh, you know, you have people at home making their own tapes and getting it out there. You know, you, you have that, I know. But there was a step where you could be a genius at making the music, but maybe you couldn't sing at all. And you had to find a singer to come in and sing your song for you. And you were kind of like at their uh, will. With with Vocaloids, one person can now do the entire process. And I know the musicians might say that's a terrible, terrible thing. And I'm not saying that this should replace other music, you know. There, there's room for everything. What I'm saying is is that if I if if I had talent at making music, I can't sing. I cannot sing at all. You do not ever want to hear me sing. Trust me. Um, so if I had talent at making music, I could get this Vocaloid software and I could have a singer for my song. You know, and, and, and the barrier is completely gone now. I, on my own, can write, create produced the entire song. And that's what's fascinating for me is is that well not only that, but just that this has grown up as a fan community thing. Hatsune Miku is where she is, not because any one company like AKB forty eight, like Morning Musume, like the monkeys, you know, they they she was not created by any one entity. Miku has been created by fans for fans. You know, she is us, if you want to really get down to it. She is whatever the fan base makes her to be. She is only as strong or as weak as we are. Same with Rin and Lin, same with Luca, same with all of them, you know. is It's... it's <laughs> Again, like if if you have no interest in the virtual idol or the virtual AI or the virtual person or the the cyborg or whatever kind of thing, then you might not understand it. But you know, she is a singer. So we go back to AKB48 and Minami Chan, where we're saying, you know, we want her to be this certain thing, but she's a human being. You know, she has her own desires, she has her own will. You know, she has her own wants and hopes and dreams. And Miku is whatever the fans want her to be. She is that perfect idol and the best thing is is the more commitment we give to her the better she becomes like we as a as a existence of people are making her we're making luca we're making their songs 
You know, anybody can come and say, I want to make a Miku song. I want to make a Luka song. And they can make it, and then that becomes a Miku song. It becomes a Luka song. There, there's, no, there's no limit to it, you know. is 90 years from now, if people still had interest, they could make a new Miku song, and she would be the same Miku then that she is now. You know, she is... is in a way, like the perfect singer. Now, again, 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 I, I know some people out there are saying that she's not the perfect singer, she doesn't have emotions, she's not real, she's not living, her voice is bad, whatever. As a concept, as a concept of saying, making, you know, of a fan community making our own music, she is perfect in the way that we can, she can be whatever we want or need her to be for our songs. So that's why I'm so fascinated in this. Is is that just that <sighs> Miku is nothing, you know. Luca is nothing. Rin and Len, they're nothing. They're nothing until we make them something. They are a catalyst for creation, you know. It, it's same, you know. It's kind of like kind of like when you play Minecraft, right? What is Minecraft? Minecraft is a very very simple game. There's really not a lot to it. It's what you make of it. You know, Minecraft's only going to be as interesting as the time and dedication you're willing to put into it. So if you're not willing to put very much into it, you're not going to get much out of it. If you're willing to put a lot into it, you're going to get a lot out. Same thing here is, is these are tools. These are tools for us to take music in a new direction. Not the only direction. That's the, that's the wonderful thing about this is that you can still have everything that exists exists and has existed ever about music still exist but we can now add this as a new layer like this does not have to replace anything that's kind of like why uh, music snobbery kind of bugs me is because you know what you like and what somebody else like can exist together one does not have to replace the other so i love the fact that the Vocaloid idea creates new things. You know, there are songs that I listen to that never would have existed without them for one reason or another. You know, it's bringing new music into existence and it's doing it in a way that is homegrown. And, and to be fair, there are even professionals who use the Vocaloid, um, singers to, to, to release music. But it's just the fact that like it puts everybody on the same level as a starting point. You know one person at home with a crappy computer can do music on the exact same level as somebody sitting in a studio with thousands and thousands of dollars of music or of equipment and whatever. So I, I love that that equality, you know, it goes back to the fanzines. You know, I, I, I knew I was ever making magazines on a pro magazine level, but I could feel like I was. And I could feel like I had an outlet for getting my voice out there. Podcasting, you know, this podcast and, and warning and everything else, you know, they're, they're not like getting the same audience Howard Stern has. They don't have the same production as NPR or whatever, you know. But I had that chance. I had that chance to do it and to make something and and to 
share it with the world. And the Vocaloids are the same thing. If if you just listen to it, if you listen to the, a song by Miku or whoever, then it's very easy to just say, this sounds like some robot singing music. Why would I listen to this, you know? It's not just about that. It's about what it means, like what that song means. How how did it come to exist? Who made it, you know? Would they have been able to make music otherwise? What is the power in letting anybody write songs? You know, you're going to get a lot of crap, but you're also going to get a lot of really awesome stuff. I mean, I've, I've heard some of just the most awesome music come from the Vocaloid community. So that's why it excites me. That's why I love it so much. Um, you know, and of course... You love people who fetishize it or, or, or whatever, you know, and Miku hentai and whatnot. But that's going to happen with an, anything out there. So who cares? Just as as a platform for letting people have power to express themselves, that is why I love it so much. And because I get some fun songs out of it, you know. And that's the whole thing about this show is is... Whether it's AKB48, whether it's the Monkees, whether it's Hatsune Miku or Megarine Luka, you know, I love I love fun music. I love, you know, I just like music that lets me enjoy myself or lets me have a, a certain feeling or emotion. You know, <sighs> music can be serious, music can be dramatic, music can be, you know, uh, 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 giving a message. Or telling a story or whatever. But it can also just be fun. You know, there's nothing wrong with music. It's fun. And actually, connection with that, I was going to talk about, because I've been listening recently to, um, it's a group called The Megas. I'm going to find this exact album name for you here. Uh, I'm not going to talk about them on this show. I was going to, but I'm running kind of over the time I had wanted to go. But it was Get Something. The version I have is called Get Acoustic. So... You know, I'm I'm already talking about it anyway, so we'll talk about it real quick. So it's the the group is the Megas. The album's called Get Acoustic. It's the acoustic version of a previous released album that was more rock based. And they, they take all the songs from Mega Man Two and give them lyrics. And on one hand, yes, it's completely dorky and completely ridiculous and silly, but on the other hand, it's so much fun because they Take all these 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 level themes and then you know give them lyrics and in each level we're hearing that that level's boss talking about the fight with Mega Man you know and it's it's so fascinating because you play Mega Man and it's a story of this little robot guy who's going and killing these you know six or eight or however many evil robots that Wileyus and out there you know. But we never know anything about them. And and listening to this album, it's it's kind of like this this rock opera musical version of Mega Man 2. And we hear, you know, how Airman, how how he's been built where he can only push people away from him. And because he's up in the clouds that he's looked down on humanity for so long that he now feels contempt for them, you know. Or or you hear about Bubble Man, who has made fun of because of his power, and everyone's saying he's the weakest of the of his brothers, you know, but he wants to defeat Mega Man to, to you know, show that 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 he isn't a, a wimp. Or you have Flash Man, who it, he feels like he's all Flash and, and no real substance, and and he wants to be befriend Mega Man. He doesn't want to kill him, you know. He's like, you know, he. So it, like you're hearing all these great fun stories about these these robots that you never even would have thought about, and all of a sudden 
they have all these really deep personalities and you're getting to experience that. And it's, it's just, just so awesome, you know? And that's kind of like that kind of stuff and the Vocaloid stuff, it's, it's this ability to have fun and, and to let the community create things. So I don't know, you know, I, I, I just, I like that. I, I liked, back when I was younger, I liked the, the, the ability to, you know, make my own fanzine and feel like I have a voice. I like the ability to make podcasts. I love the ability to make web pages. You know, when, when that started to be first to really become a thing, that was so exciting. I, I like giving anybody the chance to create because you never know what's inside people until they have the means and the outlet to express that. And the more technology rolls along, the more chances we have to express things and to get that creativity out of us. So I think it's good, you know? And if if you don't like Vocaloid music, if you understand it, then you just don't listen and no harm, no foul, you know? Um. But I, I think one of the best things about music is just what it, you know, the emotion it can convey. And, and it is one person singing something so that another, another person will listen to it. Um, so yeah, you know, it can be fun and it can be goofy, it can be poppy, it can be silly and bubblegummy. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Because you can go listen to your music that you like, I can listen to music I like, then we can all be happy. So... Uh, so you know what? I think that's it. I think that's where I'm going to stop. Because it's uh, an hour 21. My voice is destroyed. Um, so yeah. So I really do think I'm going to try to get back on a better schedule of doing these solo things. Uh, if you still want to listen to them. Or even if you don't. Yeah, I've, I've had like some fun and exciting things I'm talking about. You know, I mean... I went to TGS last year. I got to go meet Hideo Kojima. That was fun. Uh, done a lot of little exciting things that um, I can go into on here. And there are even other topics too that I was originally going to do, and then I decided to talk about Vocaloids and AKB48 because I was asked about them. So if there is anything you want to hear about on the show, if there's anything you want to say... Uh, anything you want to ask me or just any kind of personal messages that you want to get a, to me but you don't necessarily want to be on the show, whatever it is, uh, Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A at morningproject.com. If it's relating to this show, if it's something outside of show topics, then you can, of course, also reach me, Shidoshi at gomorning.com or on Twitter at Pico Airy, P-I-K-O-E-R-I. Uh, and I know on Twitter I promised that February was going to bring a new nichiest, a new Miranda's, and a new warning. And it looks like uh, two out of three is what you're going to be getting. Because I don't think warning is going to hit in the next three days. Um, I'm going to try to get the other members of my little troop for that show in gear. You can get a new one out soon, but um, hey, two out of three ain't bad. 
Until next time, this is Shidoshi, and this has been episode six. I don't think I have any official, like, cutesy term for episodes on here. There are stages for warning, there are takes for nichiest. Um, refill. Miranda's, no, Miranda's Sweet Shop, not a cafe. Miranda's Sweet Shop. Slice. Um, I don't know. If you have any suggestions for the ridiculous way I should label episodes for Miranda's Sweet Shop, you can uh, write me about that too. Anyway, this has been whatever it is called six. Uh, this is Shidoshi as always, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.